All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Sean Steele Law Firm podcast. As people are trickling in uh, to watch the live stream, we want to welcome you to the last SSLF podcast of the year. Uh, this has been easily our best year lineup of uh, of podcasts, and we want to uh, we want to again welcome you. I am Alexander Eisner. I'm joined today by the uh, the ever present the amazingly uh, 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 as as he figures out how to introduce you, I'll, I'll 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 simply introduce him. We're well, we're welcoming Alex to join us among this. Oh, thank you. Intimate chiropractic community. Yeah. Now, this is a chance for Q&A to ask questions about personal injury, particularly what do we expect around the corner in 2023? 20, uh, what a date. But uh, so John telling him was a great idea for the one that asked the best question. You will get a free copy of this, the, in, the uh, Intelligent Chiropractor's Guide to Survival about intimate questions regard, regarding personal injury. So this is yours, but you got to email me, seansteele at seansteele.com. Your questions are put it in the chat room uh, or, uh, you know, you can ask live. Uh, a lot of people don't want to do that. We did get two very good questions already that were just submitted to us this morning. So whoever comes up with the best question gets a free book about personal injury. And the beauty is, look how thin it is. Just, you know, it's a nice, easy read. It's a conversation between me and Alex. And we touch on some very touchy subjects. So, so we're going to start it off with uh, some ticklish questions that really concern us right now, but not only now, but also in, in the next year. One of the areas that I've been concerned about that is a growing phenomenon, we're seeing that the IRS is expanding its scope for, for checking everybody's personal expenses and lifestyle. Uh, we're seeing that with the insurance companies doing the same thing called the post-settlement audit. So uh, we're seeing more evidence that on personal injury cases, uh, they're really going after a lot of medical doctors, by the way, that those that are building med pay, those that are building uh, insurance, regular auto insurance, those that are involved in personal injury cases, uh, they will do years and years of work. And then one day, the in a particular insurance company like State Farm will send that doctor a letter and saying, hey, uh, you, you know, we sent you a lot of money. You've done 480 cases with us over the last several years. Uh, we'd like to look uh, at, at about you know five of your last cases in the last year. And here's the authorization for that because we want to review this just for our internal records. So you're a good person. You pull those files. You send the records and the and the and the, and the documentation to State Farm, and you forget about it. And then a year later, they send you a nice little letter out of nowhere saying, "Hey, uh, looks like you overbilled. You didn't use the right to CPT codes. Uh, therefore, uh, you've overcharged us." And uh, you have an opportunity to come square with us, but based upon this and the other 500 cases we work with you, it is our determination you owe us $416,000.25. Please pay within a week or our lawyers will be in touch with you. That's not a good experience. What I've seen is that a lot of docs don't have the documentation. This is, we're talking about MDs. They're, they're targeting MDs right now. We have it uh, in some chiropractors in other states. What we're seeing is that this is such a shock to the system and that so much money. Some doctors, if it's like 25 or 30 or 50,000, just write a check, forget about it. They don't want to hear from these people again. Big mistake. But the bigger mistake is this. When you get that kind of a letter from an insurance company, it's not good. They're preparing you and they're trying to set you up for a very expensive post-settlement audit. 
they already paid the money. Now they're trying to claw back their money because they think that this new information that you overcharge. So it sounds scary. Uh, it sounds like a, sounds like a big problem. Uh, there are lawyers that specialize in this area. Contact us. We know who they are. We don't do that, but it's something that is in the next year is one of my concerns. Watch out for those snaky little letters from insurance companies wanting to see files. Alan, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, and something that uh, just a plug, shameless plug for uh, Sam Collins and H.J. Ross. I mean, they're 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 always phenomenal in helping docs to get into those situations, uh, figure out what documentation they need, and, and helping make sure it's right. Uh, so, a big big fan of uh, Sam and his work. Um, moving on to you're, you're, let's, we're jumping a little bit too fast. All right, too fast. we got a we got a lot of Q and A's to uh, questions to answer, but. This is our uh, regularly scheduled iPod uh, broadcast. Podcast? Podcast. Uh, Alex is a smart kid that goes and gets all this recorded, puts it on our website, puts it on YouTube. Sure. A podcast. It's on YouTube. So we have a permanent record of it. We're going to call this any question you ever wanted to ask, but we're too embarrassed to ask. That's what, uh, and, and the year and wrap up and a couple of thoughts about 2023. That's a long title, but. It's a very long title. We'll, we'll, we'll. So, all that. so this is available. We're going to have some amazing podcasts next year. The, the world famous anonymous adjuster who nobody knows. She's out of state, but she loves talking to chiropractors. We had her at our advanced seminar. Some of the leading neurosurgeons and orthopedic surgeons that just do personal injury pro chiropractic. We have them available. We have a defense attorney or two that'll be talking to us. So we got to, every month we like to do this. We'd like to have you join us. So we keep the 30 minutes, exactly 30 minutes. And at the end of that, we just boom, cut it off. Uh, Alex will provide some more frills, a little more sound. We don't even have bumper music. We do have bumper music. You're going to put it in on the recording? Yeah, I'll put it in later. Didn't know that. So we have you'd have to, to listen. You should listen to the podcast. Yeah, I should listen to the podcast. <laughs> Gavin opening flash was a big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Dedicated podcast fans all know the bumper music with okay. the TV screen. It's cool. Okay, sounds great. Alex, what's the first or what's what's the next question? Oh, the, so the first question that came in, and I will uh, preserve the anonymity of those who want to be uh, remain anonymous. But uh, it's a good question, and I'm going to paraphrase. It's a little bit long. But it talks about when a patient comes in following an accident, sometimes I cannot tell what symptoms came from the accident, which ones were already there. And I know the coverage for an auto accident is supposed to cover the problems that arise from the accident, uh, including those that became, you know, exacerbated by the accident. Essentially, the question is, you know, what, how, how do I know? You know? How do I know what, what be, is, is stem, comes from the accident, what, uh, what you know, is pre-existing? What are your initial thoughts? Yeah, uh, that, that's what doctors do. Uh, that's why the history is so important. That's why you get paid well for it. Uh, initial evaluation is everything. Uh, and, and patients have all these, you know, charts and, 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 and questionnaires are supposed to fill out. We need to look at them. And this is where I, I, I really come down hard. It's very important when you have a new patient, whether or not it's personal injury, particularly personal injury, you take the history by yourself, not with a staff member, not with somebody down the street and, and not with just forms. This is an opportunity to bond between you and the patient. You two need to work together, and this is where they learn to trust you, follow your instruction, become compliant, uh, and, and they become an ideal patient. That beautiful opportunity that at least, you know, 20, 30 minutes, talking about some of the most intimate things, the times they had surgery in the past, why they had a particular injury mechanism, what kind of pathology, how they survived cancer, 
this is these are the most important things. This is a, a crucially important meeting for the patient because now they're exposing themselves or vulnerabilities to you. And so that takes a great deal of trust. So that's why it's, it's important. Then the issue comes up. She's 66 years old. A patient could be 66 years old, female. She had two car accidents 20 years ago. We have one like this right now. And now she's uh, got metal in her back from a, from a, you know, an ancient orthopedic surgery. She still has a block of metal and she's got a new big accident today. And now the question is, does she need an MRI? Can you do an MRI? Uh, to what extent is her uh, old problem uh, existing that, that creates a new problem? Is it an independent new injury or is it just, uh, you know, what, what was her condition degenerating? All these issues come up. That's your job. That's what you get paid for. Yeah. And and, and just to, to add on that, I mean, what, what this doctor is, is really asking is about pre-existing it is about how to measure the effect an accident has on a pre-existing condition. And, and that to Sean's point is, is partly, uh, you know, partly has to do with, uh, you know, your expertise as a doctor, but it's also, you know, there is something called the eggshell plaintiff rule. It is important that we note the, the pre-existing conditions that make us more susceptible to injury. If somebody has a, you know, a, a, a degenerative disc disease before the accident that's just degenerative and more, you know, more or less asymptomatic, that person is going to have a worse outcome in a mild to moderate auto accident than would a perfectly healthy person. Um, and that's that's proven time after time. And so that you know, talking about those uh, those those the, that eggshell, we would call it the eggshell plaintiff rule in, in PI, uh, that's a really important and being able to document those things in your report are crucially important for us to be able to get full value out of these cases. Well, it's, it goes further than that too. When you have a, a patient that, that's, you know, lived on this planet Earth, her biggest enemy is, is gravity. <laughs> the Earth wants us to return back to the, back, back to the lowest levels of, of the planet. So we get shorter uh, and there's more problems and, and more challenges on, on, on the spinal column than ever. Uh, and juries are a lot smarter frankly, than they were 10, 20 years ago, because nowadays they understand degeneration is a process. And the last person you want to hit in an accident is somebody that's older. A younger person, you know, uh, clearly uh, they're, they're not very good patients. They're denial. They, they're, they're more worried about their girlfriend than they are worried about the accident. And because uh, their body is far more supple, they may pay a price several years, but it's hard to explain that to them. But, but for an older person and most people on the jury, they understand that explicitly. So when the defense goes down the road, hey, you're getting treated for a problem, you know, that's pre-existing. Well, it's a very simple uh, cut out for me. I simply ask the patient or, or the or the adjuster or the attorney on the other side. Well, uh, she wasn't treating with a doctor for this supposed ailment. She didn't have pain levels that required any kind of care. It was asymptomatic. Uh, it was a house of cards that, that your client, uh, you know, unfolded and blew apart. Uh, and so it, we we have a challenge on pre-existing if the patient is treating with the same chiropractor for the same low back problem. Right. That's a challenge. But even then, you have apportionment. So, for example, is the patient coming in once a month for maintenance care because of low back problems? Okay, fair enough. Now the patient has to come in, uh, let's say, 10 times a month. So the apportionment is pretty simple. Right. 90% of the new patient visits is, is attributed to the accident. Um, okay, next question. 
Uh, and this person, it's not so much a question as they've just asked us to uh, expound on the idea of treatment of minors and children, uh, I assume, in, in within the world of PI. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on treating minors and minor children in, in PI cases? Yeah, it's, it's, it, let's see how young the person is. Um, a lot of adjusters are females themselves. And so when they think, and they don't know anything about chiropractors, so when you, when you mention you know, that, that a six-year-old is getting treated, you know, 20 times as a chiropractor, there's a lot of outrage and disbelief. And why would they, what is it? They don't know what a chiropractor does. They don't know that that there's there's a thousand different methodologies and techniques. And uh, they think it's one size fits all. And frankly, number one, most chiropractors don't treat minors very much in a personal injury accident uh, if it's uh, muscular skeletal. Uh, because the same the same issue they're younger they're more supple uh, and they don't have the uh, but they have the elasticity that that older people don't have and so but let's assume that we got a child that really has muscular skeletal problems not a fracture nothing obvious like that uh, one of the things we like to do is well what's what's every mother in America do when their kid has a cold or they have a headache or they got uh, an ear infection they go to the pediatrician Every month, hardly any exceptions. There's some exceptions, but even my mother was a chiropractor who would, would go to the pediatrician. And so, uh, if if they're if, if the patient is really worried about their child, and you're not so so sure they really need to have extensive chiropractic care, get them to the pediatrician. Talk to the pediatrician. Tell them what you do. Tell them what you do to help to deal to deal with the muscle aches. And the best that's your automatic green light. The pediatrician said, yeah. Good idea. See the chiropractor, but you keep it at a minimum. I always believe that you keep it at a minimum. And then what happens if you get a 16, 17 year old person? They're still a minor, but they're a lot older and they're going to be more susceptible. They can get concussions. We know that in high school because their body's moving around. They might have hit something hard. Uh, you might have to, well, not might, you treat them like an adult. So it's it's a judgment call that every doctor makes. And I want to I want I want to highlight something you just said because the anonymous adjuster at our our advanced seminar last month touched on this and I think she rocked a couple of minds in the room. Uh, and this is our year end wrap up. So I did want to talk about this. Is you said talk to the pediatrician. One thing that the the anonymous adjuster touched on is that chiropractors by and large are not and likely should be talking with the other treating doctors in the case and documenting that con those conversations. Yes, I spoke with the client's uh, orthopedic surgeon and they said that uh, you know continued chiropractic treatment is great and and I'm going to keep treating them uh, for uh, you know the the shoulder injury while the orthopedic neurosurgeon deals with the deals with the the the, the spinal column or what I mean the the, the fact <laughs> that you've got cooperation going on amongst doctors you know who else talked about that was uh, was our defense attorney. He was asked. He was asked specifically, "What do you think?" And he goes, "I think it's great." He goes, "Anytime you cut down on the appearance of advocacy on the part of the doctors. Now, the doctor's not playing the part of advocating for their patients to do well in a PI case. They're supposed to be a neutral. All I care about is getting this person healthy. Well, if all you care about is getting a person healthy." Working in tandem with their other physicians, regardless of their subspecialties, is 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 definitely evidence in that direction. I think that's that's great advice. You know what I'd like to see for next year? Uh, many of our uh, your patients are seeing their GP first. They're they're seeing their primary care doctor first, and usually it's a drugs. Come back in a couple of weeks to see how you feel, and that's not adequate. But they have to write it down. 
they're not equipped to do personal injury cases. But you know what? Call them. I think calling a primary care doctor, showing your interest and your care about their own patients. Uh, and see what you can learn from them on this. And you might learn some amazing pre-existing knowledge that would terribly influence your case or maybe have another diagnosis you never even considered. Uh, uh, they may never call you back. They may not want to even work with you. But that's, that's not your problem. Your issue is that reach out, try to talk to them. Half of them, you'll probably get through. They'll be interested in talking to you. You might build a friend for the practice, but it's also valuable information for your patient. And then you got something to talk about. So it's like reading the emergency room records. You can't be a personal injury doctor unless you get those records in your hand and we provide them for you. All lawyers should, but also talk to the primary care doctor that actually saw your patient. Why did you give them, uh, you know, that, that particular prescription? What, what was your goal here? So you can have a, a, a fruitful discussion but also makes the patient feel better. Oh, you finally talked to my doctor, you know, in, in, in the medical facility. That's what you want to do. That's part of your job. And uh, uh, there's going to be a certain element of doctors, MDs that don't want to talk, talk to you, fine. You know, they're not worth the time of day, but at least give it a try. That's your job because you're the primary care doctor now for this personal injury case. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to a rapid fire section. These are some 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 threads that have come in. Uh, John and I. By the way, do you see we have two former members of the State Board of Chiropractic uh, listening to us now? We're not going to mention any names, but it's good to have you here, and uh, it's good good that you joined us. I did not see that, but I'll uh, be very careful with what I say from now on. Well, no, just just be yourself, and if if you have to fall on the sword later on, then then you're comfortable with me doing that. Yeah. That's very magnanimous of you. Um, okay, real quick. Okay, so rapid fire. I want to throw some things at you. These are. Uh, I had a conversation with John in our office. He he feels a lot of calls from chiropractors, and I and I want to address a couple of things that have, have been plaguing him recently. Uh, my case is settled. Where's my money? Ooh. Uh, uh, who wants to know that? The chiropractor. Chiropractor. Yeah. Okay, that is something we uh, we, we have an open line. Uh, 1-800-626-0003. That's our 800 numbers for doctors of chiropractic. And uh, that, that, gets to, that gets to us. And we welcome your questions on PI. Please don't call us about uh, fishing game law. We're not going to be able to help you. Immigration law, criminal, just plea up, be a man. My case settled. Where is my money? So when they ask that question to you um, or to, to us, here's my answer. How have you asked? If you've made more than two phone calls, you're wasting everybody's time, particularly your own. You got to put it in writing. Do you have a lien agreement? Yes or no. Is it signed? Yes or no. So we have a package. Go to seansteel.com uh, uh, under doctor's resources. And we have a three-step program, how you get your money from a non-paying PI attorney. We like, uh, we like sending out a demand letter. We like giving them 72 hours. How long does it take you to write a check? Have you written a check in your life? I'm you going to check in. Yeah, I used to have to pay. I'm, I'm maybe the last generation. I used to have to pay my rent when I was in law school in uh, a written check. How long did it take you to write that check? It was pretty quick. Okay. Once I figured out what I was going to do. Was it, it take you hours to, to, to write it out and to mail it? No, I was okay. able to do it faster. Than okay, so, so we're giving a, a lot of time to the PI attorney that's holding your money. They're hoping you forget about it or they're incompetent or they're crooks, but whatever it is, there's not a good reason for them holding on to your money. So you want to go and get that letter out. I like sending it four ways. One, U.S. Post Office, two, certified mail, three, by facsimile, four, by email, and five, if it's really necessary, 
Smoke signal? No, Guido. I like sending Guido to say, hey, look, we got a little problem we need to solve it. Uh, so what if what if there is a good reason? Well, in other words, the case settled, it's been six months, yeah. nobody's been paid yet. Real quick. But the attorney needs to come up with a logical reason in writing. For example, we have been having to sit on cases and we hate it. Medicare. Medi-Cal. Right. If they have a lien on the case, it's against the law to pay anybody any money if that lien could exceed the money that's in the trust account. So, and and here's the worst thing. Not only is it against the law, no one only does it pro prohibit us from writing any things. They can sue me, the lawyer. How unfair is that? And so nobody gets paid if the Medicare, Medi-Cal has a lien. Now, law firms that are competent will get that lien resolved pretty quickly. But keep in mind, you're dealing with the Fed and the state governments, and they're not, they're not optimal. They're not the most efficient organizations around. Now, that's an excuse that lazy lawyers use. They should be able to show you documentation. Hey, look, we contacted them for three times in the last three months. We've asked, we've given them the information they've asked for. You're entitled to that documentation because, frankly, this is going to be a big shocker, Alex. You're a young guy. Lawyers lie. They do. Some lawyers lie. They do. So, so you want, you want the answer in writing. Uh, and, and that's why you sent them a 72 hour letter. They should get back to you right away, either with a check or with a plausible excuse. And, and, uh, and I also ask if they don't have the money today, I asked the ETA question. When is it going to come? Yeah. Exactly when is it going to come? And then you hold them to it. You hold their feet to the fire. You know what? I get paid 100% of the time except for one case. One insurance company from Mississippi that had its general offices in the Cayman Islands and went bankrupt and I never got my money. Still won't forget that. Okay. Uh, chiropractor calls and says, uh, my client switched attorneys. And now my lien was signed by the old attorney, but I don't have a lien signed by the new attorney. What do I do? So I'm going to ask you, is it, is it null and void? Oh, it's null and void. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. There's two ways that the lien dies. A, a terrible, unnatural death. If you have a new lawyer that takes over the case from another law firm, that lien becomes, uh, from the first attorney, it was his direct personal responsibility, legal responsibility to honor your lien and pay accordingly. But if a lawyer from across town picks up the case, he didn't sign the lien. He's not ob obligated to the to the deal making and the and the uh, and the signature that the first attorney did. Now a lot of docs don't know that. They think, oh, you know, he, he used my bill and and the other lawyer signed the lien. Well, you sadly, and it's a bad law, but but in California, you don't get to go ahead and 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 enforce that lien against the new attorney. So he's got you over a barrel. So so let's answer both those questions. First question is. The attorney's from another law firm, and he doesn't give a, and you just found out that he's taken over the case. Well, I treat it as an opportunity to make a friend. Let's send him a nice note with a lien. Say, hey, doc, you're, I mean, Mr. Attorney, you're the new attorney in this case. The patient has exercised their right to get a new attorney. Uh, that's fine. Uh, here's a lien agreement. We'd like you to assign and return it to us. That's it. Real simple, clear cut. And if the attorney says, <laughs> you know, you know, I'd rather I'd rather be be be, be stomped by by herd of elephants than to sign a lien. That's fine. At least they're being honest with you. They're saying they're not going to sign a lien, and tough luck for you, and you won't get paid. And then you simply let them know, geez, that's too bad. If if uh, you're not going to sign a lien, I'm going to have to demand immediate payment from your patient, and they're going to have to they're going to have to pay me in three days. And by the way, we take credit card, check, or cash. And so that since there's no lien, you have a right to start collecting against your patient, even though the case isn't settled. Said another, said another way, you can apply some pressure to your patient to go ahead and contact their attorney and say, hey, 
sign my chiropractor's lien because I don't want to have to pay this out in cash right now. And they're going to demand payment unless I get a, a signed lien, which okay. goes back to the educating your patient on the realities of liens and, and how it all works. Because once, you know, an educated hey, client can be your best advocate. Yeah. The patient, uh, the patient knows what they sign. They know they're legally obliged right. and morally obliged. That, that That's actually many times more powerful. Now, what about if it's a law firm with 10 attorneys, one attorney signs and he decides to retire? And then his partner picks up the case. No, that's still good. That is good. Why? Well, because it's the firm. It's not the individual attorney. Okay. So, yeah. And that's right. It's not, an, it's not some stranger attorney. Okay, good. All right. We have five minutes. I got a bunch more stuff. We're going to rapid fire get through some, some well, more okay. questions. Okay. Well, let's, let's make shorter answers and more, more cogent. And more content. Yeah. Okay. Um, you have a uh, no attorney. And the, uh, the the DC says, what are what are my obligations to this patient? The, they don't have an attorney. They're going to probably go small claims. Uh, what are my obligations to this patient? Well, first of all, your obligation to the clinic, to your family, is to make sure the patient pays you cash. Right. It's not on a lien. Those kind of cases that, uh, you know, the patient says, hey, look, I got a good accident. Uh, I'll settle with the insurance company and I'll pay you later. And that's called a gypsy uh, case. Uh, those people disappear when they get the money. They don't pay you. So just because, and that, say that, that, that also, ha what, yes, you can. <laughs> gypsies are gypsies. It, it is kind of exotic. They play guitars. Uh, they dance flamenco. Yeah. Where have you been? And, and then secondly, uh, you, you'll have uh, patients that uh, were your friends. Not, not gypsies, they're just your friends. And then they get the money and they forget paying you because you're a friend. Or worse than that, a relative. So yeah, cash up front or, or otherwise you're running a free clinic. Now, if you don't have, if your client, the patient doesn't have an attorney, they are then responsible for dealing with their own statute of limitations. No one's looking out for that for them. So if the statute of limitations is coming up, which by the way is two years from the date of accident, unless it's a government claim, don't worry about that. It's two years from the date of accident. Uh, you got to help. I mean, you don't have to, but I would recommend you help them uh, make sure that they get their records in on time. Uh, you get your records to them in on time so that they can file a lawsuit if they plan to do so. In, in they can file a lawsuit without the records. They got to get that darn darn uh, case of filed in small claims court or within two years. Now, you're, this is your friendly annual reminder of Business Professional Code Section two 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 five point five. Yes, made, you made it up. I wrote it down, but I didn't make it up. That says that you have fifteen days from uh, the time that a patient or a patient's representative, which would be us, their attorney. Uh, makes a request for records. You have 15 days to get that to the client. Uh, you're allowed to get a reasonable fee, but you're not allowed to hold that fee or any any part of the uh, records ransom until you get the money. You got to give them their records within 15 days. The reason I'll mention that if you can, if if you like us, read the Chiropractic Board of Examiners uh, website every month and see who's been disciplined and why. The number one issue is why why their doctors chiropractors getting disciplined. They don't send the records. That's pa right. Patient gets pissed off. The insurance company gets pissed off. Look. If they don't send you the $10, $15, don't worry about it. Just bill them. But you know, it's not that much money. It's much cheaper for you not to get reported to the Board of Chiropractic Examiners. Last question. It better be good. Uh, we don't have time for one more question. Yeah. So two minutes. Oh. We got two minutes. Here, okay. last question yeah. would be, if we reject a case, what do you recommend you tell the patient? We, we a good, reputable law firm, uh, says to a patient who comes to us, you don't have a great PI case for a myriad of reasons we can't get into right now. What, is, what should the chiropractor say? I what your answer is. I would say to I would say if I were the chiropractor, it, you probably really don't have a good PI case, and so you shouldn't go find some less scrupulous attorney who might take your case uh, because that will not end well for you for the doctors. Then you're going to be asked to put the patient's hurt and they have no med pay. 
private insurance or cash. Cash is king. Cash. Okay. Yeah. I believe that you treat patients no matter what. Absolutely. They, and, and and they have they, they have the money to to make sure that to pay you. But don't think that that some magical insurance company is going to pay it. Cash is king. You got to get that up front. Okay. A couple of things here, guys. Christmas time, right? Christmas. I love Christmas. Sixty seconds. Do you have a MedPay pamphlet like this? Because your PI practice. Here's the good news. Every one of your patients are going to have a car accident in seven years. That's statistically true in California. Alex, I don't want to put the hex on you. You haven't had an accident in a while, have you? I got rear-ended on the way to work a couple of years ago. Oh, great. Okay, so you got another five years. Yeah. So get your med pay because we would encourage our patients today that are not treating for, for, for a PI case to buy med pay for their next accident. Number two. So we'll send you 500 of these, but you got to email me, Sean Steele at SeanSteele.com. You're going to get it for free and for fun. I'll even throw in a plastic stand. I sound like Michael and Dill, don't I? Yeah. But all of your patients need to see this. And again, it's for you. All you need to tell six steps of what to do when you have an accident. All of your patients are going to have an accident. In Fresno, California, oh, and actually Visalia, they have an accident every 15 years, but in Glendale, it's every five years. So, you know, if you're in a more urban area, you're going to want to have this pamphlet in your front office. Make sure that they all get it. And that includes Richard Matt. Carrie, Christy, Deborah, and David, some of whom are members of the Chiropractic Board of Examiners, you get your free pamphlets from us. We get a lot of other free stuff on our website. We'll uh, have it in our next PI email alert. I want to throw a couple of things in. PI email alert, you can go to seansteel.com slash four chiropractors, four doctors, uh, or go to our website. You can check out our uh, podcast. You can check out all the resources we have there. The PI email alert, sign up, it's great. And then the book. You guys, we're so excited about this book. It was years in the making. Sean and I have written it. Uh, we're right there on the cover. Yep, we look amazing. That's us. Uh, and uh, it's just got everything uh, that we've ever talked about. It's got years of uh, stuff. And the pictures are in color. They're yeah, pictures. Yeah, this is, and they're in color. They're, they're um, really expensive. Yeah. And we'll even sign them if you really want us to. I'm not sure if that increases or decreases the value of the book, but who's, we'd be happy to do it. Who's the winner? Do we have a doctor here? We, have we, can, we can give it to... to Doran, Doran, Doris, Doran Rosenfeld. Feld. Rosenfeld. He gets a free book. Lucky Doran. It's your lucky day, Doran. So happy to do that. All right. Well, we are looking forward to seeing everybody in the new year. We have yeah. uh, a ton of seminars coming up, live seminars. Contact your local CCA chapter to uh, to book the uh, the Sean and Alex show. Yeah. Um, and uh, and a, lot, a lot with Sam Collins. A lot so. with Sam. Amazon.com if you want to copy the Intelligent Chiropractor's Guide to Survival. It's a bestseller. By it way. is an Amazon bestseller. We're very proud of that. Uh, have a great, uh, happy holiday season and a uh, a happy new year. Can I say a Merry Christmas? Go for it. And Merry Christmas. Merry everybody. Christmas, everybody. Take, America. <laughs> take care.